0: back uh i don't know from stream finance so how are you doing
1: i'm doing good man how are you doing
0: very very good very busy but um you know i can't complain i'd rather be doing this than i like stuck in a cubicle doing a nine to five so yeah a uh, good busy <laughs> how's it how's it your end
1: <laughs> good good here in uh california right now but i'm gonna fly to the east coast uh, get some absolutely terrible weather, but enjoying the last <laughs> bit of all right weather, even though we're in a cyclone <laughs> right now. But
0: <laughs> God, oh my God. Um, so yeah, um, we've been kind of following you guys from as soon as because what tends to happen? We've got a Discord community. I think there's like six thousand complete degenerates in there, and <laughs> usually when two or three of them separately send you like uh, a protocol. It's like right, it's like the rule of three, you have to go and kind of check it out. And uh we've released the kind of twenty twenty three narratives and kind of wants to watch thread recently. Um and you guys came up in that because I think it's just a kind of natural progression from how we ended off with the last cycle. So um but first as much as you want to go into, uh can we get your kind of origin story and what kind of bang to the head made you want to come into this industry and work full time. <laughs>
1: yeah. I've been in I've been like lightly in the industry since like 2013. Um, I've been in for a while. Um, For a while, I I thought the space just meant buy Bitcoin and hold it for a long time. It wasn't until really like uh, last cycle around 2018 that I started to look and realize that, Oh, there's this ETH thing, you know, that's pretty interesting Um, outside of just what, Bitcoin's doing. I think the first time I heard about DeFi was I was going to Dubai on a business trip, and someone mentioned it, and I was like, "Oh, that's a weird name," and I didn't think about it up, uh, until I started to see Uniswap and everything. I um I made a decent amount of money. I, I wrote a paper about why Terra would fail, and then like a week later, it, it turned out to be pretty on the nose. And I was <laughs> I, I shorted with max, insane, ridiculous leverage um sorry um started with like a hundred bucks um and it turned into like 80,000 using leverage and then I lost all of it as well or like almost all <laughs> of it it took like uh 20k out and then I was like okay now we do this again and it was up another hundred percent and then but um, after that, I looked at RFV. And through RFV, I don't know how familiar you are with RFV. Um, we, I was looking at DAOs basically that were under undervalued compared to how much assets they had, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the net asset value of everything that they have per token is like 30 bucks, but they trade at five bucks. You know, that doesn't make sense. There has to be some kind of mechanism for them to make it so that um, the price, the market price reflects the actual cash that they have. Um, and actually as part of the RIV kind of plays that I got involved in, I was the main guy behind the closure of Faye protocol, for example, Okay. Um, I started to have this more kind of predominant question of like, what are we really doing in this space? Um, as in like, is the what projects can actually create value? and um, i had a lot of cash that in between these rfv deals that i wanted to deploy and everywhere i looked the yield was pretty shit um to be honest and sometimes it could even be liquid or whatever and that's where i kind of got to thinking of like right why hasn't anyone put treasuries on chain i understand that you know a year ago two years ago it didn't make sense to put them on chain they're like zero rates DeFi was um better for yield than most um, saving accounts, et cetera. But now we have a total reversal and it doesn't make sense for you to have smart contract risk uh, and like lending protocol style risk um, when people like Avi exist and when the um, you're earning less than the risk-free rate of the US government. So we started to look at uh, how we could start to bring that on chain. And that was about three months ago we had the idea and then two months ago we started actually working on this.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the first kind of we everyone everyone's seen yields in DeFi completely evaporate. And I think a lot of that was because a lot of the yields were probably propped up by emissions, and as token price action was converging downwards, and yields didn't become very attractive whatsoever. And then I suppose what off the back of that, what you what you did see is like we did revert completely to fundamentals, similar to the question you were kind of asking yourself, where's the real value created here? Mm-hmm. And um that, that's why that's why I personally think that the likes of your GMXs of the world have done extremely well. Um vast majority of their yield paid out to GLP and GMX stakers is coming from it's basically coming from bad leverage traders on the platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People are gonna
1: but, people are gonna gamble. It, completely it, right. It's kind of like in its own sense, it's different in that it's not bringing more money into the ecosystem necessarily. It, you know money's still sloshing around, but it's still a business, right? So it's 100%. different from um, other projects which are like you know cool looking dog coin um <laughs> probably gonna be bullish since is going up right not gonna name names but like you can, there's obviously always gonna be those tokens and they're fun but if we want to build um the future of finance we can't rely only on dog coins um, yeah,
0: and omissions. <laughs> um, so who, who who on the market at the minute has got uh as you say, a positive RFV because um there's there's some that just completely yeah. fly under the radar and their treasuries are completely huge. I think like is it like Bitdao have got like a ridiculous amount in their treasury, yeah. but I don't necessarily know what those guys do, to be honest. But um there's a there's a load that are completely above uh Treasury is, yeah, tre- Treasury is yeah, Treasury definitely positive in that the RFA. Is there, is there anyone like like kind of stands out from your perspective?
1: I mean, uh, yes, but the issue with um the issue with this is like there's some that are very obvious that have been publicly discussed, like um Sparta because it's a tough nut to crack, um, FOM, um, that's now kind of balancer ecosystem. It's also a tough nut to crack, Aragon and uh, Nexus, uh, Mutual, particularly their WNXM uh, token, not their actual mm-hmm. token, but the WNXM one, just because it doesn't have liquidity. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are all ones that have a pretty good uh, return. Jade Protocol is just really sketchy. Hector's really sketchy to the point where it doesn't make sense to RFV invest. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other ones, but the the thing about the RFV community it, is... Um, you kind of hear about it from someone else and you're not really supposed to share if that makes any sense because uh, I'm basically screwing someone else over. A lot of these have very little liquidity. Someone else is trying to buy um, their up their position. And if I out the project, you know, um, even if it's only like 10 people on Twitter, if it gets out of the RFV community and into the general crypto community, That's it. They're never going to be able to buy those tokens at the price that they want. Um, But I think there's a lot. From my last list that I made, including some of the projects that are a bit sketchy, um, there's about 15 uh, DAOs that I know of that are still below RFE. Mm.
0: So so what, I think this conversation has been brought up an awful lot with regards to kind of non- native token treasury diversification. So by by that, instead of putting that in really convoluted terms, it means projects that profess they've got this large treasury, but I don't know, the lion's share of that treasury yeah. might be in their own native token. And there there comes a lot of issues with that. One, you can't be seen to yeah. Well, you can do it. You can sell on the open market, but it doesn't doesn't exactly Give a good impression of the project kind of get liquidity and go and do whatever you need to do that's development market and whatever um so how, how do you kind of think about that because there are a lot of projects out there that say yeah. they they have a huge treasury but a lot of it is in <laughs> their own yeah. token you know
1: what what we tend to do is um we don't count it as cash if it's in their DAO. uh we count it as tokens that are taken out of circulation right um so if for example a project has a billion tokens and 300 million they own 300 million of those tokens uh then the actual circulating tokens are 700 million right and then we divide whatever um risk-free assets so eth usdc etc non prop tokens by that circulating to get the rfe uh we don't consider it cash uh and like for example there's like cult dao and other similar projects that um Uh, have almost exclusively their own token even i think uniswap um we don't really consider those rfv plays just because they're not rf they're not risk-free um that you're essentially taking a directional bet which is not what you want to do with um, rfv you're basically trying to buy a dollar for 20 cents
0: yeah so i mean i've seen a couple of kind of treasury swaps happening at the minute i know uh redacted and GMX did one quite recently, and there's a couple more that I can't really think off off the top of my head. But how, how do you think treasuries can actually diversify those kind of assets that are sat idle? Is, the, is there any kind of is there a trade-off or how, how, how do you think they can go about doing that?
1: I mean, if you can find synergies with another um, project that you're interested in, you can almost like do a trade. And then if they're interested in you, you, you kind of diversify in that way. But in my opinion especially with most of the DeFi DAOs, uh, you need to do something similar to what uh, the guy at uh, Digits DAO was doing, where they just have a lot of active management of their funds. So like, uh, you could potentially do a, a system where you auction a portion of those tokens off, right? And then you engage in different strategies to earn returns. Digits has taken um, Digits DAO from, I think, 200K uh, an initial treasury to around 2 million during a bear market, which is incredibly impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously even 10 X during a normal year, well, during a normal year for an average investor, maybe not from like from trough to the crest of the wave, but still that's really impressive. I think people need to start looking at that. I think there's a lot of treasury management services that are starting to be offered, especially for tokens that can be used as collateral where, um, you can essentially borrow um against your tokens and then try and earn interest that outpaces the, the interest on the debt if that makes sense i think that's interesting um but to be honest right now in the current environment there's not a lot of appetite for that kind of risk um from the people that are lending to you so generally you have to kind of decide how you're going to sell some of your assets. And, uh, if you do use the auction style method, which is something that's mainly theoretical at the moment, um, you can, and you are, you're able to return money to investors, right? You're able to show that you can make money from, um, from the proceeds of these sales, in my opinion, that will have a really good impact on the price because it shows that the team knows what they're doing. And so it can actually be net positive for price action as well and not hurt holders. Mm.
0: Yeah, the the digit Dow guys. There was a couple of like a couple of plays they did towards the end of the year and I was just like kudos, like hats off to you. The uh I think they I think they got a big payday on the first Y two K epoch for hedging against Mim. That was a great play, and there was something else as well. And I was just like, Yeah, these guys know what they're doing. You should go and check them out if anyone's listening now, but they've uh they've got the shit together, put it this way.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. They do, they know yeah. what they're
0: yeah. Um so so what what a, what a stream finance bring in, bring us to turbo kind of can we do like a high high level and um maybe let's strip it back for some of the degenerates and who are listening and only yeah.
1: know one hundred thousand
0: coins and shit like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go full legal mode, don't worry. But um <laughs> basically, what we're doing is we're allowing you to have. um Rate, uh, rate of return that is basically in line with treasury rates and that the risk profile is essentially the same Um the way we do that is kind of a secret and it's a new system it's kind of copying a little bit off of existing um, existing projects that have done this and obviously one of the things that I have to mention is that sadly if you're you know US in UK, Singapore, all of the usual suspects based we have to geo block be compliant etc um but that's something hopefully that uh, um as we show that this is a legit platform and in my opinion it's a way better way for average people to get involved in bonds um i think hopefully we can get some pressure going for them to at least relax when it comes to to bonds, obviously that's like ten years out, nowhere near right now. But um, that's something that we're we're really hopeful about. But we will we plan to launch. Um, we just moved back our closed beta launch just because we heard apparently Ondo is Ondo um, is like pausing their launch and they haven't announced a new launch date. Um, uh, so we have a bit more time. We can run some more penetration tests and then we can. Um, do the closed launch, our launch for the public, that's not going to be uh, closed beta is still for like, I think, mid March, uh, which is pretty fast, given that we started this whole process about two months ago. Um, yeah. And one of the we because of um, legal aspects and sides of it, the underlying token, at least initially, uh, is not going to you're not going to be able to use to leverage Uh, to basically deposit into any lending protocols. Not that also um, a lot of lending protocols would want that risk since inherent in um, us interacting with traditional finance, there is an element of counterparty risk and just non-on-chain risk that is hard to quantify given that real-world assets on-chain is a bit new. Um, But we have an idea for a product where essentially... People can deposit BTC ETH and we run an automated strategy that uses that ETH and uh, BTC to then borrow USDC, USDT, et cetera. And then buy treasuries and then ARB the rates between the um, the lending rate and then the actual treasuries rate, which at, at present like, I think, 2.1. Um, and then what we do is we then use that... Arb difference to buy tokens in kind, so you go from pretty shitty WBTC and STE yield to potentially earning like 1.5 1% or um, 1.5 to 2% uh, returns in kind just by using that, which is pretty cool.
0: And it gets around
1: the the legal, and um, it basically we're just able to align interests of everyone involved.
0: Sounds great, honestly. Um, so, what, what, from your opinion, why? I think we we touched on the idea that kind of defi um, yields was obviously superseding anything off chain for a while, and we had Ansem on the other day, and we were kind of laughing about the point that towards the end of the cycle, everyone was like, "Why would you ever? Why would you ever cash out? Why would you ever cash out money to your bank? If you can get like double digit yield on your stables and basically across any other asset on, them? but why?" other than the yield, why do you think there's been kind of no appetite to kind of being bonds and treasuries and things like that on-chain prior? Is One of the big catalysts for me personally was seeing that maker had to go completely off-chain and kind of navigate that landscape. Um, Was that something that kind of piqued a lot of interest in in your camp?
1: I mean, to be honest, what piqued a lot of interest in my mind was uh, seeing the Celsius... um, FTX and other issues in the world um, where in a lot of cases they were offering really high um, yields and not even ridiculously high sometimes in dollar terms. Um, And then they weren't really able to deliver on that. And then people got burned for me. That was kind of a stupid situation where it was like, um, it didn't. It didn't make sense that they were trying to search for like seven percent yields, et cetera, within um, crypto when they could just get five percent and be safe outside of crypto, or four to five percent. Five percent is where they should raise it this year. That that kind of annoyed me, um, and to be honest, it was also just the raising of rates in general. Like, um, I, I think that that was what made me realize that bonds make sense uh now especially treasury bonds um and also the i think inflation is kind of the third factor right so inflation's been eating away at everyone's savings quietly uh i think at least in the u.s uh i'm sure you've noticed it also yeah it's just you know you go to a shop and you're like i swear to god that you know coffee bar did not cost that much when I was in eighth grade, you know? Um, And it it just makes sense to me. Um, And from a risk perspective, this is basically the most risk-free product that we can offer someone um, on chain. So from a compliance perspective, we're not really putting people's money at risk. Um, So it, it seemed like a good start for kind of allowing for these new streams of of um flows of funds basically from what is Trad5 back into the crypto ecosystem.
0: Yeah, yeah the, the whole C5 thing you're completely right. But if anything, what I've said a few times, it showed there was a huge appetite um, for yield. As bad as it, like the whole thing kind of house cards came fall down and collapsed that because of the simple UI, simple UX people could just deposit. I, I guarantee 90% of people didn't know where the yield was actually coming from, but there was a huge appetite for that. And with regards to the kind of, even people not US-based, like outside, outside the US, we've seen kind of the whole stablecoin space kind of have its, yeah. have its day in the sun last year because people wanted exposure to, to dollars and there was no better way to kind of get that unless you were kind of on chain. I know <laughs> what's kind of hilarious is probably the best the best trade that I potentially had last year was not being sat in kind of pounds or whatever, if you yeah. see I'd have been, but just holding USDC <laughs> while it was completely ripping and inadvertently. Um probably made a lot of money. The... Yeah. And it was just a strange thing. So you've kind of, and I suppose your product is just that next step in the evolution instead of just being able to kind of gain exposure to dollars and you can also gain extra, um, additional interest through, the bonds that you guys are offering as well so i can imagine there's going to be a huge appetite for it
1: yeah absolutely and we've already seen um because of our kind of um method we don't have the kyc right which is something that separates us from ondo and some other competitors um and that allows us for like some of these more stateless entities i don't know how Maker's working i think they're working through they technically have like a management kind of style company um, but there's a lot of dows that don't and kind of operate just in the crypto ether is uh, probably a good way to describe it. They're not really tax resident of any country, etc. cetera. Um, and they couldn't really go to Ondo and be like, hey, you know, can you, there's a bunch of risks involved there. So we've seen some interest um, from DAOs. Um, and since I'm in RFV, I've, um, I'm pretty close with some of the players in space. I and get along really well with DCF God. He's a great guy, super smart. And so we kind of ha- already have something of a working relationship indirectly with um, some of these DAOs, um, especially the ones that are still around after kind of um, RFV pushes. Um, and so we're kind of using that to just show that we're, trustworthy people we've been in the space for a bit um, and try and get them on board just because it's also makes sense for them, right? Cause uh, if you can start earning yeah. twice as much as you would on chain and there's a lot less risk, you can r- pay all of your dev expenses a lot easier. Um, the investors don't get upset about the fact that, you know, you're burning whatever amount of money on dev fees or whatever you're trying to produce. So. From that side, it's also good. And something that separates us from Ondo as well is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the ETF model that they use.
0: I'm not actually, no. The only thing I've really seen about Ondo is um, people are actually confused about what's happening with their token because it's not very transparent. (laughs) But that's a conversation. (laughs) I saw, um,
1: I think the guy's name was uh, Steve or something, mentioned that and then he got shot down by one of the guys who was like yeah basically i was supposed to respond to you but i didn't but you should have given me more time and it's like well (laughs) that does not make sense but um they don't actually buy um treasuries when they do these products they buy an etf which you know in theory is supposed to track um the underlying which To be fair it does track underlying bond prices but that's not necessarily what you want just as in um, in, like uh, i remember i was doing a trade a while back during the pandemic when i thought that oil was gonna oil prices were gonna go down a lot and i tried to short i think um an oil etf and i wasn't able to make i either lost money or i wasn't able to make as much money even though oil prices days go, you know, at one point they went negative in the US, negative. <laughs> like, what was it? Like, negative yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that was a fun time. Me and my friends were trying to figure out if we could legally get uh, water trucks to be filled with oil. And the answer was no. Right? That's ridiculous. Because um, you'd have
0: to physically settle.
1: Yeah, you'd have to physically settle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> like, what happens when you lock people up <laughs> lock people behind doors for so long
1: <laughs> yeah no 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 they're, they're like no this has never happened before you know it's, it's a non-issue and then all of a sudden they're like shit no one wants our oil Um, but yeah there you go but basically oh. their ETFs are like um, year long they're buying a bunch of different bonds that are like relatively short term like a couple years or something like that a couple months But the issue with that is that whenever they buy these bonds, right, they lock in a rate. Um, So they buy the bond for like a hundred bucks and then they lock in a rate of um, 5% a year. But if the rate rises to like 6%, all those old bonds, now if they're sold on the secondary market, have to compete with the new bonds, right? So the price of the previous bonds will now go down to $99 um because of the difference in yield right yeah, makes sense so as a result of that if you look at the etfs the underlying etfs that um ondo is planning to tokenize all of them are negative last year so you actually even though the underlying yield which is what people in the space i'm assuming i might be crazy want um is what that's what people want it's negative so there's not really yield you're getting a bit more exposure to bond prices, which maybe some people want, but um, I'm in my opinion, people want exposure to the actual yield. And that's why we use um, essentially, via our mechanism, four-week um, bonds, because those um, we can then just roll that over, right? So we finish uh, our one-month strategy, then we buy the bonds, we have whatever the new rate is, it doesn't really impact us at all because if you hold to um if you hold till the end basically you get all your money back right so the bond price even if it changes towards the end doesn't really matter
0: yeah makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense um so how does i suppose with your mechanism as well this can work at like extreme levels of scale
1: yeah 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 we're actually um we're in um i'm not gonna name names or anything, but we're talking with some market makers and some other people um, to potentially help us out, because right now, uh, our capacity, given our current mechanism isn't amazing. Um, We want to be able to like if tomorrow, maker decided to deposit a billion dollars with us on chain, we want to be able to have capacity to do that. And right now we don't have that capacity. Um, so we're working with a lot of people um, behind the scenes to potentially have that capacity built up. And we're also looking at um, potentially creating purpose-built um, facilities for, or like um, strategies for these um, DAOs. Like there's a lot of interest we've heard for um, Coinbase um, bonds because they're yielding 17% if you account for the mm-hmm. discount. Um, corporate bonds, etc. cetera. So um, that's something we might we we're working with some of the people that are interested, some of the DAOs that are interested to potentially allow for them. Because the way that we charge fees is we can charge up to a ten percent performance fee. Um, obviously, we want to start with the most safe products um, because if people lose money, we don't make any money. Um, but at the end of the day. Um, if someone wants access to higher yielding bonds, we don't want to say, oh, no, like unless it's absolutely shit junk bonds, then that's kind of where we draw the line of like, okay, this is <laughs> this is not really protecting our customers, but if like a DAO that is managing a lot of money and uh, sees something that's interesting to them, right? Like they see the Coinbase opportunity or they see like, you know, previously, like um, WeWork was in a lot of, uh, problem. And a lot of people yeah. made a lot of money by buying into the bonds that we work. Um, we can create facilities for that too. And then for us, obviously we get more in fees because, uh, there's more upside there, but uh, so there's a lot of ways that we can kind of start to use our Legos to, to allow for new products for people. And for me, what's interesting is that it's kind of creating net inflows into the space. Um, I think I saw before this recent bump because some crazy motherfucker decided to buy five billion in Bitcoin. Right? Um, (laughs) The the net outflows was only like ten million. It wasn't that high. So, Um, and that was. But on to be fair, I think that was a monthly basis. I'm not sure. Um, But if we do products like this, we can start to see a time where, in general, uh, crypto is seeing. Uh, You know, net inflows because there's all these kinds of products that are taking money essentially from the traditional economy and bringing it into crypto, Um, which I think if Matt Levin wrote a really good article in Bloomberg about how that's kind of almost crypto's rule, like just the efficiency of what we can do on the blockchain, the transparency of it, etc., is something we should be using to, you know, create APIs for stuff, make everything more efficient. And I think that's kind of a cool narrative as well. um, That next cycle, we won't really see net outflows um, in general. We'll just kind of see like more stagnation, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, Circle has (laughs) built a whole company around it, basically giving people access to everything coming on chain. I mean, for something that's such an sexy products they are they literally print <laughs> i think they'll do pretty yeah, no, well
1: we're going to make two billion dollars roughly this year it's going to almost save um coinbase because coinbase is uh i think coinbase gets a decent amount of money from um circle they're getting a lot of yeah. money from that um and, yeah. it, and it, if you think about it fundamentally that product is um is kind of excluding um the people that hold USDC, right? Because they're basically just, they have the USDC and they're not able to um, earn interest on it. Whereas Circle is, and I think we're going to see a lot of changes when it comes to that. And in that there's going to be a lot more people who are, instead of just doing crypto lending, they're actually doing, doing stuff with the underlying dollars, if that makes sense.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you know what they charge interest-wise?
1: Um, I think they are mostly invested in treasuries. They have to have a reserve amount around, um, but they only give if you're in Coinbase, etc. You get one, uh, you get 0.15, so fifteen bits.
0: Yeah. Um. So, how would you would you envisage kind of any Stream finance internal kind of DAO voting on specific yeah. um, treasuries or, or vaults. Is, is that how it's going to play out? Well, I suppose you'd have to kind of act relatively quickly if there is an opportunity that arises. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you kind of think about because to, towards the end of the well, in the midst of the bull run, there was an awful lot of governance proposals that got put up, um, and there were some actors in the space. I won't name any names. Like I remember one point in time where some specific DAO was going to go and purchase like $100 million worth of CBX or something because they wanted to kind of bolster liquidity for some for some of the, um, one yeah. of the stable coins in the space. But then someone who's a very kind of prominent figure in the space just went and completely front-run front, front run that whole opportunity and made them have to purchase, obviously, at a much higher price. How, how do you kind of navigate? Because big group decisions can often look like a big cruise ship trying to turn a corner. Um, but I suppose if opportunities arise, you need to, need to act fast. Is there any kind of way that yeah. you can make sure that doesn't kind of happen?
1: I think on an, on the token kind of side right now, we don't have a plan in the immediate future to launch a token. We'd like to launch a token. And if we launch a token, uh, we'd have to do it properly just because it would be a token that you would have governance rights and you'd also, um, have rights to the fees that we earn, at kind of as a dividend, et cetera. Yeah. So if we ever decide to do as a DAO a dividend, you would receive, you know, pro rata whatever you're owed. But, um, I think it's important. Uh, initially, we want to be very dictatorial, to be honest. Like, we want to be able to move really fast. If someone launches a product that we're like, fuck, we need to, we need to compete with that. We don't want to wait a week uh, for DAO governance on that. Um, but once we, once we're kind of stable and we've got our spot and we've kind of carved out our niche, I think what our strategy is, is to, then we want to make it so that uh, it's a proper DAO and then the DAO gets to decide the management team, etc that have kind of powers to say okay if you know a competitor launches something we have the right to start development on something and then the dao has the right to say hey even though you started development which is fine we don't think this is a good direction you guys got to stop so basically give us the opportunity to start and the dao would have uh veto power if that makes sense yeah Um, i
0: think that's i think that's very kind of logical and a smart way to go about doing it because a lot of people hand over governance um rights and input a lot very too too early on and you know you know what this space likes better than anyone there's a lot yeah. of very opinionated people it end up, ends up just looking like like a carriage with horses pulling in complete opposite directions and people get kind of stuck in the mud it doesn't necessarily work yeah, so, exactly. yeah.
1: and then you also get just uh <clears throat> potentially on very important decisions Um, you can get a lot of people that are just everyone's just like, okay, let's start and um, let's make this whole proposal. We can crack it down into three different um, parts and we'll vote on one each week. And you're like, what? We don't have, you know, a month to do this. It's too, it's way too long. That's like a year in crypto time. By the time you've decided to respond to something, after a month, you know, they've already developed another product, so you're already another step behind. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's in, that's important to have governance that you know they, they still, if we decide to do a dividend, um, which is the main way that me and everyone else is going to get paid, we're not really getting salaries from this, etc. Um, obviously, equity isn't is going to be an aspect, but whatever. Um, then token holders will be able to receive a part of that. If they, if we want to do like a big kind of new change of direction, or if we want to do a new product, like I I think our product is going to receive a lot of attention and we're going to get a lot in funds. Um, And we're probably going to be able to uh, have a pretty nice treasury that we're going to have to manage. We can see what we want to do with that. Right? Like, do we want to divide a portion of it just to operating expenses and building up the team, or do we kind of set it up like the Norwegian um, wealth fund, where it's like a pension fund almost that we don't touch um, the principal of, but we can touch the interest to pay for everything? So, in the event something goes wrong, we kind of dip into that. Uh, but that's kind of we we don't we we have to. That's kind of our approach because we don't want. Um, Dao. We want people to be able to be involved properly in DAO governance. We don't want it to be fake governance, like happens in a lot of RFE plays. Annoyingly, <laughs> you know, you're like, you know, anyone can be able to th- say, okay, we're going to do this kind of proposal. It's not going to be a system where no one, um, no one can vote on anything that hasn't been approved by the team. But at the same time, we don't want it to be such a system where, like, you know, we want to send, you know, 0. 0.1 ETH to cover gas fees, and we have to get a governance vote, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So we have to kind of yeah. plow the line.
0: Yeah, and stuff like that as well. You've seen a lot of it last year. One it turns into kind of whale games where <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone, yeah. some early contributor, just effectively turns into a dictatorship because they own the lion's share of the Publicly available tokens, or which I thought was quite interesting, the guys from Shutting Up Network teamed up with um, Snapshot to allow semi semi private kind of voting on governance. So what other people will do as well, and you'll know you'll know this is they'll see like an ENS or a wallet attached to one of the main votes and they'll be like, well, they obviously know what they're talking about. So let's go and just vote the same way that they're they're going as well. So (laughs) it's a wheel game or a popularity contest.
1: Yeah. yeah, No. And a lot of the times if there's a, um, if there's two camps and then there's one person who's in the middle, who's just kind of a mercenary, they can more or less decide, um, you know, the direction of the DAO and, as a result of that they can basically hold it hostage um so that's something we also want to avoid um just in general because that could be really damaging in the future where there's two camps and then one camp that just abstains or decides to shoot both down um and then we just have no real direction to go because any time you lose in crypto you know is absolutely just a waste Like the amount of products there are to build the amount of stuff there is to do it doesn't make sense to um allow governance to become like a hindrance and it should be a help to receive like feedback from investors on what they think we should be doing
0: yeah completely agree so what what kind of stage are you guys at now is it just very much getting the kind of uh, back-end infrastructure set up but you, you currently yeah. Are you, you going to raise or what, what, what's,
1: what's... Yeah, we're working on... We're going to try and raise at a a 15 mil um, valuation. We're going to try and raise 3 mil. Uh, I think it's a very, very reasonable... Um, I agree. Like, <laughs> considering, <laughs> like, look, we've gotten interest from people in total um, for up to 100 million already in deposits based on our current free structure. Um, that would be, let me do the math real quick. It's like, you get it. Yeah. That would be almost half a million in fees uh, on an annual basis and our overheads very little. So that'd be almost half a million in, um, profit, basically first year, um, which, you know, you extrapolate that out by, um, by a 20 PE, which is very normal for, um, for the crypto space and for tech in general and even for just for like car companies and you get like a 10 million dollar valuation easy right off the top and that's like as if we were a profitable company and not a crypto company you know uniswap is not profitable so i, I think it's very reasonable um, our actual underlying technology is basically done we're just security testing uh, our website um, the contracts themselves Um, and then what we're going to do is we have kind of a very closed beta that we're going to do next week that just tests what we can't test on chain. So we're going to allow people to deposit. We then run the entire strategy. We make sure that there's no issues there. Um, we get used to the accounting and everything that we have to do when it comes to that. Uh, And then we can see um, what we can expect when it comes to wait times, how we can optimize everything. Uh, And then after that period, we're gonna do a more open beta. That's the plan, unless we have some issues, then we'll probably um, wait a little bit, do a bit more testing and then do um, beta. But we we don't really expect there to be any issues in the closed beta. But then we do the open beta. um, And then if there's no real issues there, uh, we'll we'll do the public launch, um, just because we want to be very careful at all stages. But um, basically, if if you're already interested now, um, and you give us a message, you can get into the next stage, uh, open beta. It's not going to be, um, it's not going to be that selective. Uh, we just want to make sure that it's not a bunch of people coming in kind of mercenary capital style. Um, which could be a bit annoying for us if someone's you know depositing five million for one hour and then withdrawing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an absolute nightmare. Because what if we already started to um, put it um, onto the exchange and then use it to get the bond exposure, et cetera? Then it takes a whole day. Like we just don't want to have to deal with that when we have a lower um, total value locked. Uh, we want to do that when we've kind of already established ourselves with a bunch of other people in that beta shown all these projects that were, were good. It works fine. And then we can go into the public launch and we can deal with, you know, whoever wants to withdraw randomly, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So will it be, um, yeah, that's, that's a good question actually. So I I assumed it'd probably be on like a, a monthly kind of epoch basis Yeah. or will people have, basically the ability yeah. to withdraw at, at WIM because I suppose that would cause yeah. some headaches on your
1: arm. So, yeah, um, it is on an epoch basis, but kind of with a caveat. Um, the reason why we do, we do the vault strategy is we, we're just able to save so much in uh, flat fees and we're able to spread those flat fees across um, all of the people involved in the strategy. Like, you know, um, maybe with contract interaction, etc. cetera, it's like $30 gas but if that's spread out over 30 million dollars that's a non consequential whereas if you're depositing you know a thousand dollars that 30 bucks really eats into your yield um but is it just
0: a 4626 six style setup
1: contract yeah yeah it's just a standard kind of setup um, but oh shit i lost my place <laughs> i'm sorry man it is a bit late here what were you saying before <laughs> that I got on a I've totally j- different about four two six because you made you reminded me of um someone I really dislike who wanted to support another file <laughs> system. Uh, and then uh, I was like shit, I was I was supposed to be saying something else.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering if it was set up on a like an ERC four six two two six yeah, 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 that, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the kind of method that we're using right now just kind of standard, but then what we, sorry, I was meant, I meant to talk about the OTC system. So if you have like, if there's a DAO, and they suddenly see that there's an interesting trade that they want to do, or they want to acquire something uh, and they're like, Hey, we need to withdraw, for example, like 5 million, whatever. Um, we're going to have a limit for how much you can, you need to be able to OTC because we have to manually do this. Uh, and if you're requesting to OTC 10 bucks, um, you know, our poor, Team is going to go kind of crazy uh, because we have to. We have to then. You, what the way it works is that the vault token itself is non-transferable. It's right. It's a vault token, kind of in the style of ribbon, and that um, it's meant to just uh, show what your position is worth. Um, but you can transfer it to the OTC address. Um, so you would basically just transfer it to the OTC address. Also, the the withdrawal address because there's an exchange rate to to match you know it, to show to allow you to basically just cash out but um, but so you would be able to do that whenever you wanted if you had a large position obviously if you're abusing the shit out of it um, we'd probably ask you to stop like if you're depositing a million for an hour and then asking to withdraw uh, right after an hour uh, we'll probably just ask you at least initially not to be to do this, to be involved, because we're going to try and do yield kind of ave style. So even if your money, you deposit a million dollars and that underlying money isn't earning interest um, because it hasn't been deployed yet, et cetera, you'll still get a share of what um, the underlying assets are still earning. And we don't want people to just be trying to take advantage of that while not um, sharing in the risk of the rest of the pool, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Could you not put in a early exit? fate
1: yeah we could but we honestly i understand that sometimes um there are um, people that you know deposit a million dollars on their v 5 dgens and then they see like oh you know this this coin is doing really well i want to deposit a million dollars i want to don't want to punish them for wanting to just take their money out that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense for me eventually what we want to do this is our v1 product our v2 product uh, the idea is for it to be far more liquid, um, but potentially yeah. with a little bit less of yield because we'll have to be holding on to reserves. Um, but basically we'd have like 10, 20% of our um, the total strategy in cash and then everything else is in uh, rolling for weak um, bonds. Uh, so basically you'd be able to deposit, you'd be able to withdraw most of the time. And then if there's, Large sudden withdraws, um, we'd have to probably slow it down and do a larger um, transfer process. But we'd it it would basically just be a way more liquid product, and that's kind of a more it would be a more user friendly product. Uh, but at the same time, in order to get that like on chain liquidity, instant on chain liquidity, we'd have to sacrifice a little bit of the yield, at least initially
0: yeah how about like composability and optionality would there be any way with the contract to say i'm using tapioca because uh just as an example so you deposit in the vault you've kind of got your receipt in the vault and then maybe this is just a complete theoretical <laughs> point here but you de- deposit the your receipt effectively in tapioca and then go and be able to borrow a reasonably high ltv so you've got optionality to go and kind of play around kind of stops people just wanting to immediately withdraw (laughs) if they see some chinese coin they've got optionality maybe deposit in and then borrow against it
1: yeah yeah um we're we're thinking about how we can do that um one of the issues is that with the compliance side right um if we're allowing composability would mean that we would have to allow for transfer of tokens properly. Um, and if we do that, there's no stopping, you know, a Chinese guy being able to buy from someone else. And then we're in trouble in China or an American guy being able to buy the token from someone else. And now we're in trouble in the U S yeah. So we'd have to look at something to do it properly. We'd have to talk with the big, scary corporate lawyers, um, (laughs) you know, Every time I go and I'm like, I've got this idea, they're like, well, that's breaking like seven securities laws. <laughs> you know, it's like, such Debbie Downers, man. It, it, it's so annoying. Um, but that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's the important part is that we've got to do this the right way um, because you can do it the wrong way and, and be the first, but you won't be the last in the space. And what matters is still being the last, um, or at least one of the last. Because I I guarantee there should be some kind of um, competitors potentially that will try and do a reward style token, kind of Sushi style to take um, liquidity. (laughs) But um, I also would assume a decent amount of projects that would do that would probably be rugs, like Sushi almost was, to be fair. Um, But... Yeah, that's kind of our that's our approach is that we don't want to do anything with composability if it threatens the whole project. Um, but we, I, I mean, like composability just makes sense. If it's going to be a DeFi product, um, we want to figure out a way. It might mean that we have to, you know, create a very unique um, kind of lending environment to allow for that. Uh, or we might have to make our own lending system where everyone involved is annoyingly uh kyc but um and in that case it's like well then if they're already kyc why the hell would they want to earn below the risk-free rate so yeah. there's a, there's a lot of stuff we've got to look at but right now we don't to be honest we don't have plans with composability and to be honest i think that's maybe why Ondo decided to um decided to postpone their stuff because i think they realized that what they were Potentially planning on doing with Flux was um, not necessarily kosher. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> makes sense. So where um, where's best for people to find you at the minute? Is it just through Twitter or Discord? Yeah, just
1: on, on my Twitter. Um, in general, we're way more active on Twitter. We're gonna start start doing AMAs and stuff like that. in Discord, if you want a quick response to something, probably best place to get a continual conversation is via discord but if you just want to follow our progress etc um, follow me follow um, the official stream uh, stream finance Twitter at stream DeFi. Um and that's where you can keep in touch see any updates and everything awesome
0: well that was great that was um that was really insightful nice to hear someone who's you can tell is um a real good grasp in this extremely net of pushing out these kind of products because
1: yeah
0: yeah no names mentioned but there's a lot of people coming from the traditional world that don't have
1: lock-in suits (laughs) man
0: (laughs) they don't have the first fucking understanding of this space and we'll just see how that plays out i can i've kind of got a understanding of how i think it'll play out but
1: yeah i I think when the easy money runs out i think they'll run as well so we'll see we'll see
0: All right. Right. Well, thanks again for your time. And uh, we'll see everyone again Friday on our stream. But, um, yeah, thanks again. Thanks, bro. And uh, speak soon.